We're super excited about this series called Filters. I know that I am um, Allison, who's a groups coordinator. We do once a year what's called a alignment study. And Jude Filters, the study of the book of Jude, is going to be our series this year. So we're excited about it. And the reason why is because, one, it allows us to grow together as one mind over the next couple of months. The second reason why an alignment study is so important is keeping the culture of Southridge clear. Look, when the why is clear, the way is clear. When the why is clear, the way is clear. Um, We have a culture here. A culture would include mission, vision, and values. We do things differently here. It's not because we do things better. It's just this is the way that we feel led to do our mission, vision, and values. We know that if our our why is clear the way will be clear and so going through alignment study allows us to dig in more to our values remind ourselves of our values and remind us what makes us southridge southridge what makes us unique what makes us different and so our alignment studies they build a framework and so this year uh, i heard an author write and this is so good a healthy framework makes your life work a healthy framework makes your life work. And, and thankfully, Jesus defines for us what's healthy. And a word that we would use would be holy. Holy is means distinct, different, separate. And when we think of God and we think of culture, God is distinct. He's separate. He is different than culture. His way truly is a much different way You know, filters, they're used every day of our lives. And we're calling this series filters because sometimes we forget how useful filters are. Now, this is an air filter in in, in our home. No, actually, it's a brand new one. I'm not taking the one out because it's pretty dusty. So this filter is really important. Now, this thing isn't cheap. And if you didn't know that your home has one of these, you probably need to get them replaced. So we have these down into our HVAC unit, and it prevents dirt getting into the most inner part of the unit, which has the indoor coil. That coil is the thing that gets everything cooled down in your home. So if dust gets into that coil, it stops working. This filter prevents that from happening. This is why this is so important, because without our filter, damage can occur to the most important part of a system. When it comes to faith, we need the right filters to effectively live as followers of Jesus. I don't want you to miss that. When it comes to faith, we need the right filter. We need the right filter to effectively live as followers of Jesus. So each week we're going to look at a filter that we need to install so that we can effectively live in today's culture as a follower of Jesus. So let's jump in. Did you know that you're a storyteller? Did you know? It's true. Whether you knew it or not, you tell your story. You tell your own personal story. It's marked by highs and lows, characters and events. A lot of people, uh, some people much smarter than me have said it's called your narrative identity. Uh, A narrative identity is an internalized story you create about you that you share. It's an eternalized story that you create about you that you share. 
we have heroes who have helped us along the way. There are villains who have held us back. There may have been major events, whether natural or self-inflicted, that have shaped you, have shaped us. Challenges that we've overcome and tensions and tragedies that you've had to endure. But here's the catch. With all of that being true, we have a tendency to exaggerate some, some of the details, right? To make ourselves look a little better, we have a tendency to exaggerate, or maybe we leave some details out, so we become more of the hero than the zero. Sometimes we, we make some of the characters in our story worse than they really are, or better than they really are. I guess we could call this cinematic license or spin. And it really all depends on who we're talking to. When we're raising our kids or teaching our students or, or maybe coaching your athletes, we share something that happened to us to inspire them to accomplish a goal. Maybe they're, they, don't, they, don't, they're, they just feel defeated, they failed an assignment, or they didn't do great at practice. And what we do is we usually tell our fail story and how, hey, maybe we got cut from the team or maybe we failed an exam or maybe we scored really low on our SATs. And what we do is we tell our story of, hey, I went back to work. I studied harder. I worked harder. I practiced harder. I had some input from some people. And I passed it next time. Or I made a team the next year. Sometimes it depends on who we're talking to when we want people to understand why we did something. So we share that part of our story. There was a, a family, and he was a spender, man. He just spent, 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 spent money. And so he's constantly justifying to his wife why he's spending all this money. And he says multiple times, and I've heard him say this, the reason why I spend and spend for my kids or I spend for me is because when I grew up, I didn't have anything. He's like, all we had was like a, a potato sack to, 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 to play with. He said, we had nothing growing up. So that's why he's constantly spending. He's like, hey, why are you doing that? Well, this is why I'm doing it. Or maybe... It depends on who we're talking to when we want people to respect us for what we can do. We share, well, we've done that before. It's funny uh, coaching aspiring athletes, especially football players, who it's funny. Some of them are so humble, and I love coaching them, and others are more of a challenge because, uh, you know, we, we, had a, we had a couple guys the last couple of years, like, they're com like they, they will tell me that they play quarterback. And come to find out, they really haven't played quarterback. Uh, flag football is a lot different than tackle football. Things go a lot uh, different in the game. Or playing Madden is a lot different than actually quarterbacking your team. Sometimes we change the details. When we want people to see the way we think they want to see us. It's like dating. We have a profile, and I can't imagine doing online dating now. But I know for, for some of our families in our church, it's worked for them. And I've heard some other stories that it hasn't worked so well. Where they look at the profile, I mean, the woman or the man, they look great. I mean, everything is exactly what they're looking for in, in a mate, in a companion. And they go on the first date, they're like, they are nothing like their profile. She's really pretty, but man, she's like a cow. Or, man, he is really good, but his shirt, like, he doesn't match at all. Like, who dressed him? 
Or maybe when we're trying to get a new job, <laughs> what, we, what do we do with our resume? We, we have a tendency to tweak it a little bit. We have a tendency to just inflate the numbers a little bit, maybe exaggerate a little bit. Or maybe when we want something from someone, maybe we want respect. We have a tendency maybe to name drop. We want to look better than what we are, more famous than what we really are. There's a story of Christian Herter, and he was running for re-election as the governor of Massachusetts. And one day he was arriving late at a barbecue, and he had no breakfast or lunch. He was doing morning meetings. He was so busy. And he got to this barbecue, and he was just starving. So he moved through the, uh, the serving line, and he held out his plate, and he received one piece of chicken. He looks at the lady, and he says, Ma'am, may I receive another piece of chicken? Sir, I've been told, I've been directed that I can only give one piece per person. He said, ma'am, he said, I haven't had anything to eat today. I'm really hungry. I'm just asking, please, one more piece of chicken. And she says, sorry, I'm not allowed to do that. And so this is, a, a, he was a modest guy. But he decided in that moment, because he was hungry, that he would let her know that he was the governor of the state. He was going to use his title. He was going to use his office to get another piece of chicken. So he says to her, ma'am, do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. She looked at him and she asked, sir, do you know who I am? I am the chicken lady. Move along. Guys, there are some times that we want to change the details of our story. Because we want to look better. Maybe we're, we feel shame and we feel guilt of who we are. And so we begin to change the details. Or, or maybe we want respect. and so, Or maybe we want that new job and we're willing to fudge a, a little bit. Or maybe we're willing to name drop so that we get that new job or we get respect. Y'all know this. In our culture, if we want influence, we need to have followers and fame. The more followers and fame, the more influence. This leaves us with struggling with our identity. And guys, when we struggle with our identity, don't miss this, we struggle with showing compassion to others. Love seems conditional. And we have no peace. We have no peace. Until we understand our identity in Christ, we may struggle with understanding how compassion and love and peace look like. So let's look at Jude. And if you have a hard copy of your Bible, maybe you're watching online, now feel free to turn there. And it is all the way towards the back. So if you go all the way back, you're going to probably get to the maps if your Bible has maps. If you get to Revelation, you have to go back just one more book to Jude. If you go to 1st, 2nd, or 3rd John, you went a little too far. Jude knows who he is. And he's going to help us understand our identity. He's going to understand, he's going to help us understand who we are as a follower of Jesus. And so this is what he writes. He said, this letter is from Jude. And he begins to tell who he is. A slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. All right, so we know who Jesus is, but who's James? Who's James? Well, James is the half-brother of Jesus, who is the pastor at the church of Jerusalem. 
So that means, yes, that Jude is actually the half-brother of Jesus because he's the brother of James. So why doesn't he, why doesn't he start out his letter that way? Why does he say, well, I'm a slave of Jesus and a brother of James? Why doesn't he say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a half-brother of, of Jesus and the brother of James? Well, I think maybe for a couple of reasons. One, it shows a lot of humility and modesty from Jude. He's not name-dropping. But he's introduced himself as a slave. Now, slavery for us has a lot of negative connotation. Back then, it was very normal to be a slave. And in Jewish culture, you would be a slave for six years, and then they, in year seven, you were set free. There was a lot of freedom in the Jewish culture as a, as a slave. But in that time, slavery was, a, was just what you did. Jude is letting people know, I am a slave to Jesus. He is my Lord. I am called to serve him, not the other way around. Now, here's what's so interesting. He doesn't name drop because he's letting everyone know, he's letting his audience know there's nothing special about me with being Jesus' half-brother. That doesn't give me extra credit or that doesn't get me an extra way into heaven. No, I'm just like you. I had to accept that Jesus died for my sin and that he rose again. I had to believe the same way you do. In order to have a relationship with God, I'm just like you. He, he doesn't say, hey, I need you to listen to me because I'm Jesus' half-brother. No, he's like, I, I want you to listen up because I'm just like you. There's nothing special about me. Sure, God in his grace allowed me to be his half-brother. And yeah, it was really difficult because he was perfect and I, I could not be perfect. But I want you to know that I'm just like you. And I'm okay with being Jesus' slave. Hmm. He continues. He says, I'm writing to all who have been called by God the Father, who loves you and keeps you safe in the care of Jesus Christ. May God give you more and more mercy, peace, and love. Jude is brilliant in how he explains our identity as a follower of Jesus. He explains how God is building our identity. Okay, so notice in the verse, there are two groups of three terms. So the first group is called, loves, and keeps. The second group is mercy, peace, and love. Now this is why this is so important. Called and mercy go together. Loves and love go together and keeps and peace go together. Let me see how this all breaks down because this is our identity. This is who we are. Okay, we have been called. He says, I'm ready to all who have been called by God. The word called means to be chosen or invited. Do you know that God has chosen to invite you in a relationship with him? Regardless of your past, regardless of your baggage, regardless of your future, he's called you. He's chosen to invite you in a relationship with him and the way that we have this relationship with him is by admitting that jesus died in our place that he rose again from the dead because through his death we receive forgiveness through his resurrection we receive eternal life now this invitation has nothing to do with us it has nothing to do with you this is everything to do with god 
Because if this had something to do with you and this has something to do with me, that meant we had something to boast about. Guys, we have nothing to boast about. We have nothing to brag about. This is all God. God in his compassion wanted to invite you into a relationship with him. I believe this is the reason for Jews' humility because the call leads to mercy. Mercy means compassion. God in his nature is merciful. Ephesians 2.4. God is merciful. He's full of compassion. And he has shown us compassion as his enemy. Because we were full of sin, we were going our way, not God's way. We were doing our thing and not God's thing. Yet God decided to have Jesus take your place and take my place so that we could have a relationship with him. Wow. So how much more, if God has shown so much compassion in us, we ought to do the same with other people. When he says that, I love this. He says, may God give you more and more mercy. You know why I need more and more mercy in my life? And there's going to be times where I'm going to go my own way. Even as a follower of Jesus, I'm going to kind of go my own way. And yet there are times where God shows mercy. Mercy is not giving you what you deserve, not giving me what I deserve. And there's times where God's going to be very merciful to us. There's other times. When we wake up in the morning, and when we go to work, when we go to school, that there are other people who don't deserve compassion, but yet we are called to show compassion on them because so much has been shown to us. So he gives us his strength to do that through the Holy Spirit. Okay, then we have loves, loves and love. Loves and love is the same word. It's agape, and it's the highest form of love. So in the Greek culture, they had like seven or eight words for love, and agape was the highest form of love. Few people obtained a selfless, sacrificial love. If you ever wonder, if you ever doubt, If God loves you, you just have to look at the cross. You just have to look at the cross. The cross was God's act of love as he sacrificed his son to pay the penalty for your sin. But the best part is, God's love for you is not conditional. He's not going to not love you any more or any less than he does right now. There's there's nothing that you can do to earn more love or there's nothing you could do to earn less love. God loves you unconditionally. And then there are people in our lives who are unlovable. People are just like, oh, we get we we see their name on the phone or we see their name and their profile on social media. We kind of roll our eyes like in disdain because of them. But Jesus said, and this is greatest commandment, he says. Love one another, agape one another, just as I have agaped you. Selflessly, sacrificially, love. Okay, then the last group of words, pair of words. Keeps goes with peace. Keeps goes with peace. Keeps means to carefully watch over or guard. Now, most of us who are watching live in the D.C. area. And I'm not sure if you knew this, but... We have the Tomb of the Unknown Soldier in Arlington National Cemetery. There are sentinels, Marines, who guard 
24 hours a day, seven days a week, the tomb. Here are a couple of examples on how they guard the tomb. Isn't that last one crazy? I mean, the guy was like, uh, it was all her, it was her idea. It's so crazy. But, but I don't want you to lose track of this. Look, God protects us. And Jesus says in John, he says in the book of John, he says this. And this is what John writes down. This is what he witnessed Jesus saying. He, he says, no one can pluck you out of my father's hand. Man, our salvation is secure. Uh, another picture of our salvation or our relationship with God is adoption. He's not looking at ripping up the papers because of something you do or you don't do. And that should provide us peace. Peace. Peace is freedom from worry. Because God makes promises and he keeps his promises. We don't have to worry about something we do wrong or something we we do right or not enough that we're going to lose our relationship with God. We have freedom from worry. And the opposite is true too. We have freedom to enjoy living without the pressure of working to keep his love or keep him from leaving. I've had many conversations over the last couple of decades with with those who their dad left them or maybe their mom left them and they're thinking, God could leave me too. The fact is God's not going to leave you. God is all in in his relationship with you. Are you? Are you? So if Jude would sum up his identity, it would be like this. I am called by God to live for God so that I can enjoy life with God. That's how he would sum up his identity. I am called by God to live for God so that I can enjoy life with God. Guys, the temptation for all of us is discontentment with this identity because it's so against culture. It's because we want to look better. We want to look more competent. We want to look more respectable. Because remember, in our culture, it's about influence. It's about fame. It's about followers. And I know the followers, and I know those who are famous, I believe they have a tendency to compromise. Guys, pride leaves us with struggling with our identity in Christ. We're not content with I am called by God to live for God so that I can enjoy life with God. Guys, when when pride leaves us struggling with our identity, we struggle with showing compassion to others. And love seems very conditional. And we have no peace. 
We're not happy with who we are. We're discontent. So there's no peace with discontentment. This is the opposite of how Jude is living with humility. Because with humility, Jude is able to show compassion to others because he has been shown so much from God. Love is unconditional because of the cross. He has peace because God is never leaving him. Look, it's the difference between pride and humility. We're content or we're not content. And it's because of pride or humility. The difference between me being the hero and God being the hero. For some of us, we feel like we have to be the hero. And that's pride. Humility says God's the hero. He's my Lord. And I'm his servant. Guys, this is why when we film baptism stories of people um, who are getting baptized or going public in their faith in Christ, um, we, we video them and we share, we get it, hear their story and we always have it, they share their story or their life was like before Christ and then they share what their life has been like after Christ. And it's a huge change. And so here's the invitation. So for those who are followers of Jesus, as we have a relationship with God through accepting Jesus' death and resurrection, our identity would be the same as Jude's. I am called by God to live for God so that I can enjoy life with God. Now, for those who are yet followers of Jesus, God invites you into a relationship with him. By accepting Jesus' death and resurrection, your identity would be the same as Jude's. It would be, I am called by God to live for God so that I can enjoy life with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this unique opportunity to look at a book that most of us just we forgot that it was there. We're so thankful for the power. We only got through two verses and there's so much there. So Father, one thing that I'm asking you is that, Lord, we're in a culture that is difficult to live in. I mean, it's all about fame, followers, influence. Remind us that your way is better. Your way leads to more satisfaction. It fulfills us more than anything else in this world. So Father, I pray for those who do not have a relationship with you. I ask that they would surrender their pride and they would believe that Jesus took their place and that through his death they receive forgiveness and through his resurrection they receive life. And then Father, for those who are followers of Jesus that are listening and watching, I ask that you will empower them every day that Each day when they wake up, they receive more and more mercy, love, and peace so that they can model that to other people in their lives. In Jesus' name.